if you loved it so much. Yeah, but what is that, the second time that we recorded and it didn't actually record? A long time ago when we tried to record somebody on the phone and it didn't record. Was that with... I've had issues doing that before. Yeah, so. and we went through the whole session and... A really good session. And realized that it didn't record. Yeah, and it was awesome. That was the one session that'll probably put us on the map. That was it. That was it. That was the one. Uh, and unfortunately, it happened again last week, and I am so sorry because it was all my fault. So, <laughs> so we're going to try and recreate the magic. It was so good. It was so good. It was pretty funny. All right. If I sound different, it's because I have COVID, and that's the voice you get for today. So since I'm listening to you on a headset as we're recording uh-huh. this, am I going to get an ear infection? On this week's episode... <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode of The Selling Podcast, Mike brings an interesting idea. His idea is why you do not want to build out your pipeline. All right, we're recording. With over 50 years and millions of worldwide traveled miles between the two of us, we have tasted defeat and relished in sweet, sweet victory. Looking for inspirational entertainment, motivation, and practical insights to drive your business? Welcome to The Selling Podcast. Tongue-in-cheek, of course. But I'm going I'm to play the role of the guy that doesn't want to fill the pipeline. This is ridiculous. Scott's going to be actually, my manager. Like, how you came up with this idea is terrible. <laughs> it wasn't terrible, but I was thinking, of all the excuses we've all, everybody's received uh-huh. and offered... We've given these excuses, whether we're serious about it or not. We just don't want to go through the work. So, All right. Let's get into the role play. All right. Mr. Williams, Mike. thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Obviously, today we want to talk about your pipeline. What pipeline? Uh, the pipeline that we asked everybody to turn in last Thursday, and oh, you didn't yeah, turn yeah, yours yeah. in. And so I just wanted to follow up with you and figure out, um, take a look at, you know, this year's going to be a great year. You got a nice, good, good quota. So I just want to see what you're working on and just want to talk to you about your pipeline. Well, I've decided this year I'm not going to do a real pipeline. Nothing, nothing, nothing written down in paper that you can hold me to. Okay, now once again, this would be a totally different conversation, <laughs> but I'm going to go with what you're working with right here. <laughs> well, I'm trying to drive a point oh, home. Interesting. All right? And, okay. Because and right now it'd be like, oh, interesting. <laughs> Thank you so much for working Goodbye. for the company. <laughs> Um, all right, so all right, we'll we'll, we'll go with it. Really, I, you didn't think about you didn't you don't feel like a pipeline's going to be beneficial for you? No, and I'll tell you why. I've come up with a couple different reasons, but a the couple reasons why one, not to do a pipeline. Yeah, huh. well, you know, you have to plan. You have to think through your your process. Yeah, that's called a pipeline. So I came up with a couple. Of, well, not necessarily. I'm just thinking of why I don't want to do a pipeline. So here's the first okay. one. Okay. If I come up with a list of potential customers and opportunities to put into my pipeline, I'm just creating an unrealistic workload for the future. What do you mean about unrealistic workload? If I put 100 new customers into my pipeline, there is no way that I can see 100 customers, and let's just assume they all happen to fall in. I'm not going to call on 100 more people. Like, you only have five customers right now. Like well, you, that's what you I mean. have I capacity. Can't yeah, no, maybe those five are taking up all my time. You don't know. <laughs> Why would I put more people in to create more workload on the back end? Okay, so tell me what you're doing for these five people and why you can't have, maybe let's just say, instead of 100, let's just say five new people. 
why would I want five new people? I'm comfortable with what I'm doing now. Okay, what's the purpose of growing your territory? Do I have to grow my territory? Yes, that's literally what I pay you for. <laughs> I thought you do. I thought you paid me to take care of the five customers that I had, and they occasionally buy something else. Just because you're my nephew doesn't mean you don't. <laughs> have to. All nepotism aside, <laughs> no, seriously. If if I want to grow my territory, which theoretically I want to do, can I just work with those five customers when they add another order or they? They branch out and maybe buy another product from me occasionally. Isn't that sufficient growth? I don't need to add more people to the pipeline. Organically, my territory will grow. Well, isn't that in your pipeline? Because the organic yeah, growth that should be part of your pipeline. Okay, I'll write down organic growth in my pipeline. <laughs> Just the word organic growth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because why would I add a hundred people? I know that I'm not going to be able to service a hundred people the same way that I'm taking care of my current customers. Okay, this is a really interesting point because there is some legitimacy to it. Well, that's why I said this is all the whole conversation is kind of tongue in cheek because we've heard these arguments, right? Yeah. And every manager in the world has heard this essentially the same argument. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of making fun of it, but we've heard it. I'm out of capacity. I can't keep adding people into my pipeline because I just won't be able to get to them. I don't want to create an unrealistic work load. For me later. Mm -hmm. So there is validity to that. I mean, there is validity to, well, let me give you an, my personal example. There's been many times when I've started a new business and I've given top focus to the few customers that I have. And so they got tier one service, the white glove treatment. They got all my attention. Mm -hmm. They got plenty of my time. and. The reason they switched over to me was because I could give them that. Now, as I got more clients and more people involved, then I couldn't spend all that time with them because I had sure. to devote my time elsewhere. So my original thought was, A, when I get new clients, do I treat them like the tier I want them to be? And so I'm not giving them the white glove service and I just you know, set them aside for a little bit. Or do I give them the white glove service and have the expectations conversation? Does that make sense? Well, this depends. Yeah, it depends. Do you want to be their personal slave? Their personal coffee boy? Do you want to be the, the runner for them? Or are you running and operating a business based on what you're selling? You, who do you work for, I guess, mm -hmm. is the bottom line question. And if you're setting the correct priorities, and expectations by the customer, the tier one service, they don't, they don't go to you to get all of the answers, mm -hmm. right? They're not expecting everything to be delivered. They have employees, they have responsibilities inside their organization to take care of these issues. Mm -hmm. Becoming the, the go-to to take on the load of your customer, mm -hmm. and that's where you and I have had this conversation of how much is too much. Yep. And now I'm, I'm kind of switching hats. I'm going back against yeah, yeah. my own argument, which does make sense. But if you look at it realistically, you need to set the proper expectations with every customer where you are not just bringing them expertise in the field, providing value, but you're not going beyond that. Yep. Because you have an obligation to other customers in your territory. Absolutely. 
But one thing that I take, I do take a look at is what happens if, well, let me take you to when I was selling, I don't know, let's take COVID tests because that's on my mind right now. Let's say, <laughs> why, is, why is that? I don't know. I haven't been able to taste or smell for two days. It's weird. <laughs> um, so let's say that I'm selling COVID tests, which I was doing. And mm-hmm. now if I'm selling COVID tests, I try, ideally, I want to sell them to the big organizations. I want to sell them to like countries. Like that's, that's where I want to be. Like that's, that's future when I see myself, when I saw myself during that COVID time, I was thinking, hey, great, I got COVID tests. We're going to sell these to countries. Um, now, the reality is, is we didn't sell them to countries right from the get-go. We sold them to tier like four, if a country is a tier one. And so yeah. do I not sell them to my tier ones? Or do I not sell them to tier fours, my individuals? Instead, just wait for those countries to come along? Or do I not give those individuals the great service that I would if they were a country? Like, how do you, how do you manage that? Go big or go home, right? Yeah. But it, it falls, or go out. What's your, yeah. Or go out, yeah. It falls into what your expertise is. If you've earned it and if you've developed those relationships where you have the connections to sell to whole countries, great. That's a, that's a pretty high bar mm-hmm. and a very small field of people. You can get there, but it's going to take time. And I think just jumping and saying, okay, I'm going to go to Ford Motor Company and I'm going to sell this kit for every one of their employees. Mm-hmm. That may be a taller order if you've never dealt with Ford. Exactly. But if I can take the same kits and I can go to the uh, local family medicine guy and say, hey, I've got these kits. They may be good for all of your patients. And you may have the relationship or a contact within the account to do small local ones and then expand that out into a hospital system. Expand that into a state agency just by making connections. Mike, let's jump back into the role play then. Okay. Mike, I understand that you feel like you don't have the capacity. Well, I don't have the time, Scott. I, you and I both know it takes a lot of time to take care of these five customers. It, it does. It, you definitely have five demanding customers. I'm glad you see my yeah, point. I felt that way too and understand. <laughs> what I've found though is why are you laughing? Uh, I just, the, I feel the same way that you felt when you found well, out. Well, then what'd you find in this field felt found? <laughs> I found out, yeah, I, Scott, I get what you're saying. But seriously, I can't create more work on the back end because I'm not hey, going so to be able to sustain it. Here's what you're not, here's what I found out. Mike, as you, you do have two hours in the day that you're not using. And I, two? yes, you have two. I've ridden with you. Remember the time where we sat at the coffee shop for an hour and a half? That was lunch. Yeah, exactly. So if you, if you were to take a 30-minute lunch break and you still have that one hour, and then that extra hour where we just sat at the park, remember we had pastelitos at the park well, for an hour? Yeah. I, yeah. So if I thought that was a strategy <laughs> session. It, it is. You don't need to strategize every day. So one thing we will want to take a look at is with those two hours, you're going to put in new, new prospects. And those prospects are going to take a significant amount of time at the beginning. It's like riding a bike. Those first couple pedals of riding the bike are really, really difficult. They take a lot of effort. What you're going to find is as soon as you're up and running with those clients, 
they'll be able to slot in with where you're at and it's going to provide you more time to go find more clients. You have the capacity. Don't we have that same kind of growth organically? You are going to already go into those clients that you currently have and you are going to... And that's going to take all my time. You're already going to them. And you're talking to them about the soccer game that their kids just played in. For an hour. Customer relations, Scott. I'm building relationships with the customer. It's a 15-minute conversation. And then take the other 45 (laughs) minutes and sell them the new product. Mike, you got capacity. What's your next point? So you're going to completely dismiss my increasing workload. Yes, it is going to be increasing workload. I'm not going to dismiss okay, it. Fine. I understand. But yes, we are, I am asking you to work harder. Okay. So the second thing is I don't want to set unrealistic expectations for my customers. I mean, they're a very discerning and very demanding kind of customer, and they've got to have the right amount of touch points, and I've got to spend enough time with each one of them. And I can't do that if I have more people in my pipeline. If you spent less time with your current customers, what do you think would happen to them? They'd go to my competition that will we'll give them that white glove treatment that we talked about. Why would your competition do that? Do they have more time than you? I don't know. But I know that they're not going to just... They're always under barrage. The customers are always getting in, you know, barraged by competition. And the only way, the only way that I can hold on to them, Scott, is I've got to be there four hours a day. Okay, so Sally Q is your comp- competitor, correct? Correct. Okay, what is Sally Q? How many clients does she have? I don't know. What do you, you walk into your competitors, you see her name everywhere. Who walks into a competitor? I stay with my accounts. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, they've got their they've got their accounts. I've got my accounts, uh-huh. and we don't want to disrupt the balance because <laughs> that would be really, really bad. <laughs> that would be terrible. Does Sally Q agree with you? Didn't you just lose an account thought. to her last week? See, that's what I mean because I wasn't there all the time, and I lost that account. So, Sally Q, how much time does she have? Does she have more. Well, time I'm assuming than you? she's got. Well, yeah, but she might not have the same lifestyle as me. Meaning what? She has well, seven kids. Oh, yeah. You are not even married. Maybe, may, well, that's true. But see, I spend all my time looking for someone to get married. <laughs> uh huh. And she's got something that's established and routine, and she doesn't need to spend time with her kids. <laughs> Sally Q just won Mother of the Year in the local <laughs> newspaper. <laughs> Well, I don't care. I still think it sets an unrealistic expectation of what I have to do for my customers. Okay, do your customers and I can't want you do there it. for four hours? Well, yeah. They do. Who else, who else is going to bring lunch to them every day? That's where your expense budget's going to. <laughs> <laughs> Only part of it. Okay, so ex- unrealistic expectations. If you spent more time prospecting, you're going to not devote as much time to your current clients. Right. I wouldn't be inside talking to them, securing the relationship, making sure that everything's operating smoothly, and not dropping the ball in that account. There's a saying that says, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Why does that saying exist? 
I don't know. If I want something done, I do it myself. When was the last time you did something? Today. I was in the account. I was talking with them, making sure that they're comfortable and they're set up and they don't need anything. That's awesome. Two more seconds because I'm curious where this is going to go. Who did you talk to when you were in there? (laughs) Well, I talked to a couple different people. Mm -hmm. Who? Well, I talked to the receptionist for a while just to see how her day was uh-huh. going. And then I talked to one of the uh, agents just to see that if they needed anything the today. The agent doesn't or, even work there. Well, they're affiliated with them. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And who else did you talk to for the other hour? The manager. Oh, really? James yeah. spoke to you for an hour? It wasn't quite an hour, but James said hi. Oh, good. <laughs> In the hallway. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, let's break from the role play for a half second. Okay. I mean, you've heard this, Scott. Yeah, and we kind of spoke and about you... this in the in the first yeah. part as well. I mean, there is, but, there is some validity to it. I get it. Uh, and I've had accounts stolen that I was spending an inordinate amount of time in the account. And then people walked in behind me and just were working more effectively, more diligently, and they just took the account. Because I was relying on my relationships to carry that account, mm-hmm. forgetting that they're also a business and they have business objectives, not just meeting with me. So somebody walked in who was more efficient than you? I don't know if they were more efficient, but they were definitely addressing the customer's current needs. And because I was so... Uh, heavy in the relationship and trying to manage that. Mm-hmm. I forgot, and <laughs> my bad, I completely forgot to ask, what do they need right now? Yeah. And so I was going in, I was relying on my relationships and I had a great time with everybody that I talked with until the business went somewhere else. Yeah, interesting. See, when I, I, I lost a, a big account that took a fair amount of time, a lot of time, um, mm-hmm. and it was, it was one of those, it was in the beginning, it was in the early stages. I was putting in significant amount of time and they finally said, Hey, this isn't working. We're going to go someplace else. Um, it's one of those where you realize like, yeah, that's painful. The reality is though, that person coming in, my competitor, now I know where they're going to be spending a ton of time. And so now I know that they're going to neglect accounts that are on the other side of town. And so that's when I can go in and I can start hitting up those accounts on the other side of town because I know they're going to be locked in there for hours on end. And I just get to kind of poach the far side of town. Which is exactly what it did to you. Oh, absolutely. Or she did. To yeah. You. So isn't that described as churn? Yeah. What's the customer doing? Because I'm looking at it from the customer perspective. They want someone who is just going to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. They don't have any responsibility. Mm-hmm. That goes back to our conversation is the customer is always right. Mm-hmm. And the customer is not always right. That's complete falsehood. If the customer was always right, then everything would be free. Yeah, and it's setting up those expectations. I mean, yeah, some, exactly. sometimes if the account's big enough, yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time. See, now we're bridging into account management, and that's a, that's a completely that's another topic. But but I think it's it's valid at this point to say, look at your your expected role, your personal expected role. Mm-hmm. Evaluate what you're contributing to the account, what they're requiring of you, 
and how are you fulfilling that? And so this argument that, hey, I'm, I'm setting myself up for failure because I'm, I'm not going to be living up to the unrealistic potential or unrealistic expectations of the customer, or I'm creating additional expectations. Make sure you're creating the right expectation and the right requirements for each customer through clearly defined expectations, roles, limits. I mean, you can't clone yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And to be able to do that right from the get-go. Like, so don't spend a ridiculous amount of time with a prospect. I mean, yeah, you'll probably spend more time than normal, but don't like, don't spend a ton of time where that's all you do. You do need to set the expectations right from the get-go of, hey, here are my average contacts. Here's what I do. Here's, so setting that up from the get-go and the theory might, or the thinking might be, hey, I have plenty of time. Like I can spend more time with them. I can give them better service or whatever it might be. The reality is, is yeah, you might now, but maybe not in the future. And so setting that expectation up now, which is, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Take that extra time and go out and fill your pipeline with more people. Right. Right. And like I said, there's an element of truth in all of these arguments. Yeah. But it's the perspective that you're looking at it. Uh, It changes and it's always going to change. Michael, let's jump in back into the role play. All right. This one's a little bit harder for me. The role play? The, no, oh, the, yeah, oh, the, the, the last this, point? This, this last point. All right, wait, hold on, hold the on, whole... hold on. Before you get into it, I'm going to set it up. All right, back into the role play. All right. Mike, thanks so much for sharing that. I apparently have unrealistic expectations for you. I think so. About this pipeline. I think so. I think you're starting to convince Be- me that maybe we shouldn't do a pipeline for the company. I don't think a pipeline's legitimate in my, my case. <laughs> now, it might be okay for other people, but just not for me. The other successful people. I'm dominating my territory, Scott. I'm dominating my region. Uh, that's literally not true. No, you, you are doing terrible. <laughs> and that's why I had to fly out to have this conversation with you. All okay. right, so the first one, you told me that you can't build a pipeline um, because you don't have the capacity. It's too big of a struggle. The second thing that's- that you said was you don't want to have uh, the customers to have unrealistic expectations. Yeah. Exactly. Are there any other reasons why you don't want to fill your pipeline? Well, sure. You don't want to pay me more. And I'm comfortable making what I'm now. So Wait, I don't want to me? increase the... Bur- I don't want to pay yeah, you I more? I don't want to increase the burden on the company. I don't want to create a demand that you think you're paying me too much. Roll with that a little bit because I'm not fully understanding. Help, help me understand. It's like going to an all-you-can-eat buffet. That's my customer, right? And I go in and it's all pizza. Everything is pizza. If I get enough pizza to last me for the day, I don't need to go back to the buffet and say, I want more cheese or I want more pepperoni or more mushrooms. I'm happy. I can go up and I can get what I want and I can keep eating every day, all day at the same place. And it's going to be the same price. You don't need to feed me more because I'm comfortable where I am. And it's no additional burden on you that that has to pay me. So what you're saying is you're totally complacent right now. I'm good with organic growth. Let's put it that way. Well, you're not organically growing. 
But let's say that you are, because in Wait. your mind, you are. <laughs> so let's say you're okay. organically growing. Great. You don't want to be a financial burden to the company by taking on more business. Look, we both know. We both know. The company is not struggling, but it's tight, right? And the company needs to watch their whatever you call the EBITDA or something like that, they're watching their expenses. I don't want to add more commission expense to that and put the company in a position where they have to compromise. Got it. So if you sell product X, there is a profit associated with that. So the company technically makes more money. So for every extra yeah. product, the company makes more money. But they have to pay me more. That takes the profit away. No, it's built into the profit. I'm so glad you don't run the company. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. No, but that is, but that you, is true. Like, yes, I would Scott, have you're to my manager. But yeah, but see, I'm trying to save you. I, I'm looking out for your best interest by not going out and filling my pipeline. And here, the whole time, I, think it, I thought you were being stubborn. But no, you were just looking no, out for my best interest. I'm, I'm being generous. Mike, I am so thankful. Yeah, I bet you Can are. Can you talk to other employees <laughs> and just try to See, spread this word of, hey, we don't need to fill a pipeline? Exactly. We don't. Because the company should be satisfied with just organic growth. It's the nature of the industry to expand. Companies should be happy with that margin. Wait, wait, wait. You said it's the nature of the industry to expand? Which is growth. Well, yeah, every... Yeah, but it's organic. There's new people being born every day. Yeah. If I'm selling car tires... But we need to grow faster than that. Why? Because... You mean you have to pay more money out? In our bank, in our, in our line of credit, with our bank, we need to pay them back. Because remember that new facility we just purchased? Because yes. we we're growing, we have to pay for that. Right. But we wouldn't even have to move into that new facility quite so fast if nobody had a pipeline and we were just growing at the current organic market rate. Interesting. I don't even know from this conversation. <laughs> if this was a real conversation, it would have been done at the first point. Um, all right, so I'm ending the role play here because it's, it's interesting and I literally have no place else to go on that point. The thinking is, though, is I I mean, yeah, I understand not just, hey, I don't want to sell more because I don't want to make more money. It's the fact is I don't want to sell more because I don't want my territory divided. Because what's, what's going to happen is you will get your territory divided the more you sell and the faster you sell. It's an inevitability. Absolutely. It's going to happen. Everybody's going to go through yep. it. Yep. But that's that's kind of why I don't want to see, seem like, okay, I don't want to be that bright spot on the radar because I'm making so much money that because now they're going to say, we're paying Mike a, just a ton of money. But what if we could split the territory? We'd still pay out equal amounts, but to your point, it's all commission-based, and so that works out in the long run. But would we have more focus in that smaller territory, and could he drive more business? So, and this is kind of a, a stretch, because I've never had a rep say, I don't want to make more money. Mm -hmm. But I have had representatives tell me, look, I'm comfortable where I am. I'm making a great living. I don't want this outrageous quota. I don't want to try and set the world on fire. 
I just want a nice little growth in my territory, maintain my income, maintain my lifestyle, and just keep growing regularly 1-2%. In as a sales rep, as a starting sales rep, I would I was always looking for, man, if I could just get more help from corporate, more help from my manager, and more help meaning if I could get you know some dollars to spend on this type of activity or do this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're a young sales rep, and I'm and put yourself as the manager, let's say you have a certain chunk of money to give and, and to be able to host these events. Are you going to give it to your person who's just organically growing? Or are you going to give it to your rocket ship who's just crushing it and bringing in new business, maintaining business? Like you're obviously going to give it to, to the rocket ship. Who's, who, but you're asking sales reps now to think like a manager. I think you have to at some point, though. Mm, yes. But a good manager is not always a good sales rep, and a good sales rep is not always a good manager. Well, I would tell you that if you're a good sales rep, you're not going to be not filling your pipeline. <laughs> like that's so that's for certain. You're shooting my three ideas down right and now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is it I is mean, an interesting. It is fair. an interesting concept, though. And yes, I I understand. Of hey, I don't want to, I don't want to put too much stress on myself. I don't want to become that big. And so, yeah, there might be a certain point where you say, "Hey, this is enough." So here's the challenge, and I think this is where. You know, these are excuses and reasons that are self-inflicted, right? I'm, I'm telling you as my manager, I'm not going to do it because yeah. it's going to impact me. I think it's a question of how you look at it and expectations. If I look at my territory as a franchise, and we're just going to assume, of course, that the sales rep is ambitious and he has good work ethic and she is uh, aggressively pursuing a goal, yep. right? That's, the, that's just a natural assumption of every manager. You wouldn't have the job if you didn't have those qualities. Having the ability to look at your territory as a franchise and set it up so that you are servicing customers. You're not babysitting the customers. You're not doing the work for the customers. You're not the errand boy for the customer. But you are a professional sales representative going in with that idea and setting those expectations up front. I think is critical. And that is a part of the pipeline process that I think sometimes we overlook. We just want to have more names, more numbers in our pipeline, but we're not looking at how are we managing the pipeline all the way through. And that gets into account management, which we talked about a different story. Mike, I love your points. These are awesome. Reasons to not fill your pipeline. Take them to your manager. Legitimate reasons. <laughs> Take him to your manager, and when you get fired, please don't blame us. Blame, no, blame call Mike. Scott. <laughs> call Scott. His idea, his topic for today. I think the bottom line is everybody recognizes we definitely need a good, solid pipeline. You have to have something to build from. Which is true. And so many times I get this in my head. I do have these excuses, and it's, hey, I need to get back to my pipeline. Well, some of them are, you know, they're not excuses. They become realities the more we talk internal conversations with ourselves. we start having these conversations they become hard and fast realities the key is to step out of and look at it and go uh no not necessarily there are alternatives mike great topic thanks so much for the conversation thanks for putting up with my voice today <laughs> it's been fun hasn't it <laughs> i love this topic like <laughs> i love the role play always fun. uh yeah it's completely meaningless but it is fun you have a great week my friend 
Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later.